sometimes we can't let the good things in, even when they surround us in abundance. Maybe you find yourself in a situation in life where something that you once longed for, something that you once really lacked and really needed, like love or physical affection or validation or understanding or support is finally present in your life. And maybe for a long time growing up, those things were missing. At least one of them, maybe most of them were missing. You finally have it. You finally have that partner or that friend group, that support network, that, that work friend. You finally have the thing you've been looking for. And you know that it's available to you. But when it's offered to you, when it's present, it feels like something blocks it. You can see it. You can logically understand that it's there, but you can't feel it. You can't enjoy it. You can't even really experience it. And so it still feels like you don't have it. If that sounds like something you experience, you probably have something we call a nurturing barrier. And I'd be shocked if you didn't, to be honest, because I, I have to think once I learned about what a nurturing barrier was, my first thought was like, doesn't everybody probably have this? I'll explain why shortly. Um, but nurturing barriers are essentially subconscious internal habits that we develop as coping mechanisms for things we needed that were absent in the early period of our life. Really quick, if this is your first time here, my name is Dr. Scott. I am a licensed clinical psychologist. I create social media content as kind of my side job, if you will. I'm also the author of a book called For When Everything is Burning. And if you happen to like what I have to say today, I would be more than honored if you felt like it was worth checking out my book, which is available on Amazon and on Audible as an audiobook. So nurturing barriers. The reason that we develop these barriers is because we have needs. All people have needs, right? There's, there's no way around that. We have needs. And when we're young, we have no ability, little to no ability, depending on how young we are, to meet our own needs. So babies have needs, right? Children have needs. Adults have needs too, of course, but adults can, for the most part, meet their own needs. A child usually cannot. A baby definitely cannot. And so you're basically just at the mercy of whatever system you are assigned to early on in life. And that system may or may not have been equipped to meet your needs. And I can almost guarantee that your system at least fell short in one area because almost every system does because no one is out there saying, yeah, I had a perfect childhood. I had perfect parents, perfect um, extended family, perfect teachers, perfect coaches, perfect friends. It, 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 life doesn't work that way. So all of us to some degree are, are let down by the systems we're put into and we all have to find a way to cope with that. The other thing about being you know, a kid or, or a baby is that if your system is failing you, if your needs are not being met by your system, you can't leave, right? Like not really, right? Like if you're an adult and you realize, wow, everything around me like really is not giving me what I need, you know, you can you can move. You can change jobs, you can find a new place to live, you can find new people. You know, you're you're mobile. You have the ability to change what's around you. As a kid, you generally do not have that ability, right? So whatever your system um, was lacking in growing up, you just didn't get it. You just didn't get to have that thing. And when a need 
is either really inconsistently met. Like maybe it wasn't never, right? Maybe it was like every now and then I, I got this thing, but it wasn't very often. And also it was just kind of random and sporadic when this need would get met. Like once a year, my dad would like give me a hug just randomly out of the blue. And that was it, right? Other than that, I didn't, I'm not saying this is me. These are just hypothetical situations. Like other than that, I didn't grow up in a physically affectionate family. So my need for physical affection was not met or no one ever expressed that they were happy with what I did. You know, whatever I, whatever work I did, it was never good enough. So I never got, you know, acknowledgement for the quality of the work I did or the effort that I put in, except just every now and then someone would randomly say good job, but it seemed really just unpredictable when that would happen. Or in some cases, it was literally never. Some environments simply do not have the ability to meet certain needs. And so that's what creates these nurturing, but that, that's the setting that creates the nurturing barrier. But the reason the nurturing barrier itself gets created, the reason that you as an adult maybe feel like something is blocking your ability to receive these various forms of nurturing is that when you're a kid and a need is not met, you really only have two options. Because like we just explained, you, you don't have the option of like going out and finding other ways to meet that need. Your two options, if your environment is lacking and the ability to meet your needs are one, suffer. That's one option, right? Not a great option. Or two, learn to ignore the need. Learn to shut off the part of yourself that feels the desire for that need to be met. I'm going to give you two examples here. One, one is a really concrete, simple to understand one, but it's physiological in nature. The other is emotional, right? So food insecurity, although not, it, it creates emotional issues, but it is not in and of itself an emotional issue, right? It's a physical issue. People who grow up facing a lot of food insecurity often as adults have difficulty accessing their hunger cues, meaning they don't necessarily know like when they're hungry. Sometimes people who have grown up with long-term food insecurity, they have to like eat by a clock. They have to set timers to remind themselves to eat. It's not that they don't need food as adults, of course. It's that by necessity, they learned to ignore hunger cues because the feeling of being hungry and having no food is miserable, right? But they had no choice. There was no food. It was not available. So they could not meet the need. And they just started to ignore the need because that was their only coping mechanism. Again, that's a physiological slash financial issue. But this happens with emotions too. So again, like what if no one ever comforted you when you cried growing up? What if when you what if crying in your family? was treated as like a nuisance or an annoyance or, or weakness or, or some other problem type behavior. And so when you were really sad and when you really needed consoled, you got ignored instead. What do you think is gonna happen to that feeling of needing to be consoled when you're sad? The same thing that happens to the hunger cues of a person facing food insecurity. You realize this need is not going to be met I cannot go and meet this need myself. So I'm just going to be miserable as long as I feel this massive unmet need inside of me. And the only way, and as a kid, you're not consciously thinking this, you just kind of figure it out probably. The only way I'm going to not be miserable in this situation is if I just stop feeling this thing, is if I just stop needing this thing. And so at some point you figure out a way 
to not feel the need anymore. Now, again, just like with food insecurity, it doesn't actually remove the need. We, we don't have the ability to do that. We need what we need. They're not choices. They're not optional. That's what makes them needs, right? But we do have the ability to ignore the feeling of an unmet need. May, all, all, all humans, all mammals, I think, have the ability to do that. And their skills, like, like learning to ignore a feeling physically or mentally is a skill. And, and I don't say that it's a skill, meaning it's a good thing. What I mean by they are skills is that you get better at them with practice, right? And so at first, these things are very difficult to do. But as you continue to have to practice ignoring the part of yourself that says, hey, I need a hug right now, or I just want someone to say that I did a good job or that I tried my best. The more you practice ignoring those things, the better you become at ignoring them. And like so many skills, you can get to the point where they are automatic. You know, it's, it, I know this is kind of like a cheesy metaphor to use, but it's kind of like riding a bike. You know, when you first start learning how to ride a bike, you have to consciously think about, you know, the movement of your legs and the positioning of your hands and things like that. But after some certain amount of practice, you can just hop on a bike and ride and you really don't have to think about what you're doing at all. That's how every skill works. And that's how nurturing barriers are formed. We get good at numbing out from the parts of ourselves that need things that were not available in the environments we were in, in our formative years, in our younger years. We don't automatically just like drop those walls once we're in a situation where the ability to get that need met exists. So in other words, I'll, I'll go back to my example of like uh, growing up in a household where you were never comforted when you were crying. Okay. Let's say that you're now in your thirties and you're married to, to a wonderful person who does support you. When you're crying, they come up and they comfort you physically and they say, what's going on? What do you need? What can I do? And, and you probably get this sort of split feeling inside, right? Because you mentally know this is a good thing and I should, I should open up to this person. I, sh I should feel comforted by this. You know, this, this is what I need. But you might also feel like, well, but I can't. Like, I literally don't know how. And I know that this is supposed to be comforting right now. But what it actually feels like is, is nothing. And that might also make you feel like, what does that say about me as a partner or person? What? Try not to go down that road. Because I want you to really understand that this is what nurturing barriers do. They cause us to become numb to certain emotional needs, to nurturing needs. It's fundamentally no different than if a part of your body was numb. And like, let's say your foot is numb. Let's say, let's say you have chronic numbness in your foot. You can't feel anything. And your partner gives you a wonderful foot massage some night. What's that going to feel like? Nothing, because your foot is numb. Your emotional centers can become numb over time with practice through practicing the skills that create the nurturing barrier. The part of you that needs comforting when you're sad might be numb. The part of you that needs someone to appreciate the hard work that you put in might be numb. The part of you that needs someone to say, I love you or someone to hold you might be numb. And that's not your fault. That's not because you're a broken person. 
It's because at some point in your life, that thing wasn't there. You needed it and it wasn't there. And you had to learn how to cope with that. And you did the best you could and you learned to numb out from it. That's all this is, okay? Now, that being said, there is something that you can do about this. Now, this is going to vary a little bit from person to person. I wish I could be ultra specific on this and give you exact step-by-step -step instructions for how to overcome your nurturing barrier, but I can't. And the reason I can't do that is that they are somewhat unique for every single person. This isn't necessarily the exact same process for me as it is for you. But I can give you kind of the overview or the blueprint, if you will. That may be something that you can fill in the blanks with on your own. It may be something that a therapist can help you with, but I'll give you the overview. The thing is, we often, when we know we're supposed to feel something and we don't feel that thing, we usually try to make ourselves feel it. We try to force it. And so that's often how people try to cope with nurturing barriers is like, oh, I should feel close to my partner right now because they're holding me in their arms and that should make me feel close to them. So I'm going to try to make myself feel close to them. We don't really have a way to do that. There's, there's not a mechanism or a system in our brains that allows us to force an emotional experience. I, you can look like, I mean, I know there's acting, right? Like you can appear to be having an emotional experience, but that doesn't mean you are. So, and, and most of us are not amazing actors anyway. So even if, I'm not going to tangent that too far. I don't really know that much about acting. I'm just going to leave it there and, and consider that a tangent avoided. Um, what I was going to say though, is it's actually, there's something we have to stop doing to overcome our nurturing barriers because the nurturing barrier even though it feels like an absence of emotion, and that makes us think we need to do something to acquire that emotion, what's actually happening is we are doing something inside of ourselves to block the input of that emotion because we put a wall around that space of our hearts when we were young, and that wall is still there. That wall still exists because just because you move out and, and end up in whatever situation you, you end up in down the road, doesn't automatically make that wall come down. You have to disassemble the wall. It doesn't just like disintegrate once your brain realizes, oh, there is somebody who shows me love now. I, like, I wish it worked that way, but it doesn't. So what I encourage people to do in therapy when we're working on nurturing barriers is every time a situation comes up where you know you, air quotes, should be feeling this feeling and you notice that it's not there, try to turn your attention inward rather than outward. So try to notice what am I doing? There is something you're doing and I don't know what it is, but there is something you are doing to block that emotion. It's probably there for just a split second and then you shut it off because you had to do that for however many years of your life. Sometimes the thing we do is, is physical. So sometimes they are actual, they're, they're typically like internal micro movements. So other people might not even see them. Sometimes if you have a really, really good therapist, sometimes they can notice them. It's, sometimes it's even just something as simple as like a clenching of the jaw or like a pulling in of the shoulders or the head goes down. It can be the smallest little thing, but sometimes physical movements, I know this sounds a little woo woo, whatever, but this is real. Sometimes physical movements can affect our emotions. And often if we, if we like tense or, or tighten up, um, that can actually basically like block emotions. 
because it's it it gives us this feeling of being protected or insulated from the world and and keeping what's out there um outside i guess for lack of a better term from what's in here it's not always physical though sometimes it's psychological sometimes it's a thought that comes so quick you don't even know you had it but let's say let's say let's say no one ever said they loved you growing up and so now you have a partner who says it a lot or or a friend who says it a lot or something like that if you really try to slow down and pay attention to your internal experience, what you might notice is that there's this little voice inside of you that anytime someone says, I love you, this little voice says, they don't mean it. And that is your nurturing barrier, that voice, because that voice blocks the authenticity of the emotion you would otherwise experience from this expression of love. And it keeps you, quote, safe from being let down if they don't say it again for a year or if they never say it again. Because your early life taught you that this is inconsistent. I can't count on this and I'd better not get used to this or I'm going to end up hurt and disappointed. But if that's no longer the situation you are in, then it might be time to start tearing that wall down. And the way you do it is by first figuring out what did I do to build it? And what am I continuing to do to keep it up? And then you have to try to inhibit that reflexive reaction, whatever it is, once you figure out what it is. Again, I wish I could tell you more specifically, but the examples I gave are a couple examples from my own or patients' lives that I've worked with. Um, but everybody is different in this regard. We all kind of find different ways to cope with the inadequacies of our childhood environments. Um, so all I can do is tell you where to look and hopefully that helps. But like I said, this is something um, that can be really valuable to explore in therapy as well. Try to identify how you block the emotion and then stop doing the thing that blocks it. And just like the nurturing barrier itself took time and took practice to build up, not doing it will also take time and practice. So try to be patient with yourself, try to be gentle with yourself and just don't give up. As long as you don't give up, there's always a chance that you can make some significant progress on this. Let me know if this makes sense. Let me know what you think about it. And I really hope that this content is helpful for you today. I will see you next time. Take care.